Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And on today's episode of the Friday Forge, Chad and I will be discussing The Last Question by Isaac Asimov. The Last Question first appeared in the November 1956 issue of Science Fiction Quarterly and has been anthologized further into many different volumes. The story asks the question of humanity's fate and human existence as a whole, highlighting Asimov's focus on important aspects of our future like population growth and environmental issues. Oh boy, this was a lot of short story in not very many pages at all. <laughs> it was <laughs> It covers so many topics. It covers yeah, everything. Yeah, not to mention like a billion years. <laughs> oh my god. It just really goes to show, you know, you can you can get so much in with so little words. I'm just continually impressed every time I turn my head Asimov's direction of how ahead of his time he was he's like an alien it's like he wasn't yeah, even he's like really from the 50s he was born in 1920 and died in 92 and did most of his workings over like between like 40 and 60 would you say but that's accurate um probably i mean i'm sure there was stuff yeah know, like i know but... 52 or 53 was when um the foundation came out right he did uh i robot too oh man i mean just like he's talking about stuff that i'm like oh yeah cool i'm learning stuff about technology from someone who wrote his book in 52 <laughs> like what yeah i wonder sometimes um you know when you've got these science fiction writers that are so so vastly ahead of their time if it was difficult for people in the 50s you know because we're reading this in 2022 like almost 70 years after the fact so we're brushed up you know we've seen people right. land on the moon we've seen just countless scientific achievement right server it's a household word right exactly but um i wonder if back then you know you're just kind of like you know, you're building cars and stuff and whatever. You're yeah, like, trying oh. to like finish off industrializing and stuff. Right. Like you're like a <laughs> homemaker or something. And, and then you and you pick up science fiction quarterly and you're like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go back to building the Ford or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if we're desensitized to it, to how deep this is. I don't know. It feels pretty deep to me. <laughs> this is it's pretty deep. I had never even really thought of this. It, it kind of reminds me. I, I don't know if you've read this short story. We might cover it on here, but um, there's another one called uh, the egg by i think it's andy andy weir and it's kind of like that same like kind of circular idea um the egg is more about like reincarnation um okay. and this, which i guess you could kind of you know this is kind of similar but more like a personal level of the reincarnation right. but just like that I, I, I like that about short stories sometimes is that the endings kind of smack you pretty hard with, a, yeah. with like a really solid short story like even in the last two that we've read the jaunt and the velt kind of creepy getting creepier super creepy getting creepier mind blown <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what this wasn't really i don't know did you find this creepy or like negative or anything like that like what was your thought no i found it i thought it was really hopeful actually like in addition to being way ahead of its time and well written and everything i thought it was like a really like very hopeful message really optimistic yeah really optimistic and just just interesting like a you know a short story it's hard to put a real good story into 20 minutes worth of writing but you can ask a really good question in 20 minutes worth of writing and that's kind of what this does and it just does it really well and I, when it ended i was just like huh cool and then i went back huh. and listened to a lot of it again <laughs> speaking of let's uh, let's get right into a recap it's a pretty short recap because this is a pretty short short story but go ahead yeah. and take it away chad all righty this story starts in the year 2061 Humanity has harnessed the power of the sun, creating a seemingly endless supply of energy and inventing a supercomputer 
called Multivac, which has been fed data to analyze for decades. We center on two scientists, who after a few drinks and musings about this new energy source, ask Multivac if entropy can ever be reversed. The answer returned reads, there is insufficient data for a meaningful response. The story makes multiple many thousand year jumps into the future, as different humans in different stages of life and progress ask the same question. Humans have populated multiple galaxies and gained immortality, yet still they have received no satisfying answer to this question. The story ends with the universal consciousness that is now multivac, and also every human being's mind computing the answer, using its eons-acquired data, restarting the universe with the phrase, let there be light. Brain all over the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, drop, Isaac. <laughs> you probably finished writing that. I was like typing with my hands as I said that, but really it was probably like scribbling with a pen. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, I am so good at this. <laughs> um, from the little research that I've done up until this episode, apparently he did it like pretty quickly like he wrote it in like kind of one session wow he said um that he, he hadn't really fiddled with it was the quote he just kept it raw um yeah i mean it's i bet he had thought of the ending or at least some semblance of it sure and then um was able to kind of like start it and and just kind of think up whatever names for people and have fun with that you mm -hmm. know because like even um the names there's like I'm gonna totally butcher this, but there's like Jordy and then like Jordette and Jordy One or something like that. Right. Like when the far future, they just variate their names based on like their families or something. It's probably just mm -hmm. like a fun thing that he did in there. Right. And I mean, this was such a cool way to explain to like get to the point. It could have been one paragraph, like his point here, but it's just it was such a cool way of like jumping forward in time and having a different set of humans in a different stage of progress ask the same question and get the same answer as it just showed this little window into like this is what's happening in a billion years this is what's happening two billion years and it was just rad yeah totally the reason that i like that so much is because it almost seems like as much progress as humans make we're almost never satisfied with it <laughs> and it's like uh -huh. it's like we're think about it we're we're galaxy spanning we're immortal we have enough energy to last billions of years every single problem that we had before has been solved except for this one thing we just we have not gotten an answer to we couldn't create something powerful enough to actually explain to us what the deal is like how can we stop entropy no matter how hard we work at this, no matter how many suns we smash together, we're going <laughs> to run out of suns. We're going to run out of power. We're going to run out of batteries. How do we make more batteries? And this right. computer is just basically just like, it's not saying you can't. It's not saying you can. It's saying there's not enough data for a sufficient answer. It's taking satisfying. a very agnostic approach. <laughs> it's just, I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, it can't know until the very last. That's why it's called the last question. Right. Right. It's like it, it's gathered every single bit of data. The only way you'd be able to actually answer that question is to not even need to answer it anymore. Right. Well, it, it, it could not answer it until the very end because it needed every bit of data. Like it was impossible to answer until it was over, until it was end, until there was no more data to collect. It's such a satisfying 
way to look at the universe. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really know anything, but it is a very cool thought experiment. And it seems like initially, superficially, kind of spooky almost. Because mm-hmm. you're like, is this thing just like breathing in and out? You know what I mean? But it is also kind of nice to think about like, oh, it's just all resets and here we go again until we get to the point where we're asking it again and another thing that i really really liked about this was that it was kind of a a mix of philosophy theology science fiction all blended together like transhumanism futurology like all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and a lot of times a really scientific story or text is gonna kind of like exclude theology Right, you know, not in like any kind of like not here we don't, but in in a in a kind of like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily need to be here for what we're doing here. It's funny how in the actual text it was necessary, mm-hmm. like Asimov needed the let there be light to connect with people about this story. He needed that call back to Genesis. Right, just it's really it's fantastic. Oh man, so cool. It it really is. I love how in solving. So like there's a there's a sentence in there that says in solving the problem of old age and death it has undone all its other solutions, right? Because like yeah. Im- immortality was kind of the biggest question until it was answered, and then once it was, it created a whole new set of problems such as right. we now have way too many people. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like if you, th- I mean, right now it's like you know. Uh, you get 70, 80, 90 years, something like that. We don't have to worry about entropy. Not even close to a big deal. <laughs> it's just yeah. so not a problem. But that is really interesting that if somebody came to me right now and said, hey, um, immortality pill, you go ahead and take it and you're good. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about it. I'd, my thought after at least reading this story would be like, okay, but... Uh, <laughs> we kind of need to solve this problem now, <laughs> and also a whole bunch of other ones. I always wondered that whenever when I was really young, and um, when I was watching Lord of the Rings, because the elves are like immortal, or I guess I don't know. Lord of the Rings is a weird example because like the elves aren't even like technically immortal. Whatever. Uh, I was right. like thinking about immortality at a young age because I was watching Lord of the Rings, and I always thought, yeah, but if the planet exploded, would they like like just kind of float away from it and just kind of like chill out in space? You know what I mean? I guess there's a difference between immortality and invulnerability. Right, and being indestructible. Right. Yeah, so if you were, then yeah, I think so. You would probably just be launched into space until you hit something else, which would be a terrible fate. Can you imagine how precious your life would be if you could even just live to a thousand? You know, like going into battle, it's like, man, okay, we really can't die. (laughs) Yeah, that's why that scene um, in Two Towers at Helm's Deep yeah at Helm's Deep and like all these there's like dead elves all over the place and it's like it sucks that the men died but it's almost worse that the elves were dying because it's like can you imagine living like 3,500 years and then like an Orakai's arrow like gets you right in the throat you know and it's just like ah damn like that's the that's the end there this is the thing yeah how did we get to Lord of the Rings from here let's get back Um, on track okay (laughs) (laughs) it's always uh, it's always Lord of the Rings Chad right I like how in passing he also answered some other questions that he was kind of subtly asking like the immortality problem right led to a bunch of like overpopulation well how do we solve that well we kind of reduced the need for physical resources we became like ethereal beings you know where like we had like some semblance of a body kept matrix style and like little pods being fed by automatons um that probably required very little actual food and so we Mm -hmm. could like 
our brain float about the universe <laughs> doing what i have no idea i've heard theories that that's what a lot of um, alien races are it's mm. kind of like an like non-corporeal uh, entities because uh once you get to a point where your technology can get you, like, you know, zip you around the universe and bend space and time and stuff. You're kind of at a point technologically where um, your kind of like meat sack body is kind of it's not serving you anymore. Yeah, totally. So, you know, that's why there's theories that we have been is visited and there are extraterrestrials like among us all the time, but we just like can't ever see them because they're right. just kind of like floating in the ether. Like, look at these guys. Like, <laughs> look at them shooting at, shooting those bits of metal at each other. This is ridiculous. Right. And idiots. Remember they're watching The Bachelor like again? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same show every time. Seriously. Okay. So your alien thing led me to, I had similar thoughts and then I was thinking, okay, well, like, at no point does this story even kind of mess with that problem. Like, we never encounter other species that are conscious in the way that we are, that sort of thing. Huh. Um, but if there are other aliens out there, like, they might solve this problem for us. Like, we probably should keep on working on it. But, you know, it might just be like one day we're like, oh, man, like, stars are getting made all over the place. And it's like, yep, someone figured it out. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Right. Oh it's like God. if there's like an infinite amount of time, then like um, everything that ever could or have happened would have already happened, you know. Um, and so, yeah, they might have been, the, the problem could have already been solved. Do you think that, you know, sky's the limit resource? No, no, no resources uh, limited on us or whatever. Um, like, Do you think that humanity, if we could, should like populate the universe, like populate the galaxy? Do you think that that's like a goal to strive for? Or do you think that like Earth is good? Let's take care of that. We can just chill here. We got everything we need on this planet. Like, why do we need to expand like a like bacteria? You know what I mean? I, right. Yeah. Like, what, is <laughs> the, what is that? That's so funny. And I'll answer your question. But I, I have written in my notes here. I'm stoked that this computer continued throughout the ages to work on a solution to our problem, even after we were gone. Like it never decided that we were a pest or a scourge on the universe and that the whole place would be better without <laughs> us. Like it never decided that, you know, um, even though we're sucking down stars. <laughs> that is a cool notice though. I mean, uh, it's, and it's related to what I was asking for sure. I mean, it is a good notice because it, it doesn't, it feels like it's kind of this um, distantly like benevolent computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like allowing, not allowing us, but it's just kind of like observing and just, you know, kind of along for the ride and being kind of like a general guide guidance, like because it almost seems like it has all the information, but it doesn't tell us like, it's like yeah, you can I'll answer the questions if you need it. But I seriously don't need you guys anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to be like your uh, sheep herder or whatever. So I I don't know. I really dislike the general idea in our civilization now that we are a scourge upon the planet, though we do have a hugely negative effect. I just think that like it is possible to have a hugely positive effect as well if we direct our energies appropriately and we have the ability to do that sometimes we don't though um so i don't know i just i don't think it's a very regardless of it's a truth i don't think it's a very productive thought to be like we're the worst ever it's like well we are so let's take that and try to make the best of it um as opposed to like focusing on like we're a virus you know it's like but i mean with that said i mean um what utility would there be in like expanding out into the universe like what what good could we possibly do spreading the 
life um taking taking energy you know you add energy to a system without a mechanism to create it and make it productive it's gonna destroy things you know like leave your car sits outside for a while what does it do with the center the sun's energy it starts painting and paint chips and you know like uh bombs just a release of a whole bunch of unproductive energy and it destroys everything and so what we can do is create mechanisms that make energy productive that make it actually build things as opposed to destroy things and so we can terraform a planet now we've got a whole nother planet that we can release animals on maybe save some of them that are you know uh, endangered or going in uh, not going to be in existence anymore uh, so yeah we can use our ability to make energy productive and create as opposed to destroy and apply like that in places where a life wasn't previously possible because life is cool and beautiful and has value and when in doubt we should try to make more of it i mean isn't that value that you're assigning to it though i mean like oh of uh, course well, and that's fair obviously like it's i'm totally saying valid, i'm but... important <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think that you are too um, well yeah but, i mean but i mean larger we are important you know but it seems like uh it seems like a f uh, a funny thing in this book i mean in this short story and just in general you know it's like we want to go to uh, Mars and then go to these other planets and start populating and like, you know, carry our seed over to other right. little flowers and stuff. Um, and it seems like I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have like a super hard thought either way on it. Like this story has kind of got me thinking about it, but it's like, why? Like why? Right. Um, I mean, well, I mean that kind of boils down to like, what's the point of it all? <laughs> right. I mean, um, I think there's a lot of points, but like expansion, into new physical space unnecessarily seems like the, the well, earth I mean, is, it is like necessary because really... we're taking out our own resources you know so like i said i would uh, right. i would like it to be more productive and us not to be so destructive uh, even to ourselves and have the expansion be like a cool thing of exploration and broadening the breadth of life and where it can live not a necessity driven we're destroying <laughs> we're a vampiric force upon our own resources thus we must expand you know yeah i mean that but that's like that's kind of like the, the difference uh, between a farm and a garden right no I, I totally hear what you're saying i mean but that's like kind of the basis for the reasoning like right now you know what i mean it's like uh, we got to go to mars because we we kind of mulliganed this one you know like we got <laughs> like we got to go to mars and then like what we go to mars don't learn any lessons about this and then like fuck up mars and then, well, then now it's on to this other thing because you know while we were in mars we could we could start snapping ourselves around in different areas and it's like I bet there's an argument to be made that the the seven billion people that are on the planet right now, if there if there was some sort of like hard like paradigm shift, you know, we could all still stay alive with the resources at hand without actually tearing things up. Sure. And we could, but our quality of absolutely life would be true. Like, yeah, it'd be like way different. But I mean, I mean, if you, like we could really all just be like laying around eating fruit and drinking out of streams right. and stuff. I mean, we've um, penetrated like what a couple miles into the Earth's surface like if you had like a whole earth globe we've barely got through like the paper wrapping like if you wrapped a single like gift wrapping around it or something we've gotten that far into the like there's so many resources because i used to think as a kid like man we're making a lot of roads like, when are we going to run out of like gravel <laughs> like never it's like yeah. never like i mean effectively but, but, never. but there are things i mean like um there are things that we will run out of eventually sure. like if you if if seven billion people all wanted ford focuses <laughs> if each one of them wanted one and each one of them wanted to drive it 20 miles a day for for 100 years 
that's not going to work. Like that's not, that's not going to work at all. And then if we wanted to carry on those um, habits into another society on another planet, like how long before, you know, and I think that in this short story, they harness the power of the sun and they kind of end up asking themselves that same question, even though they've found a renewable resource and everyone's celebrating. Everyone's so happy because, you know, we, we did, we it, did we, it, but we, it's almost like we've never, we will never have done it. You know, <laughs> like we're always going to like everything, even like time and space is finite. Energy is finite. It's right. all going to trickle out. It's and all going to be white it, dwarves. It like, leads to a whole new set of problems, you know, like, cool. Now we have an infinite source of energy. We can expand infinitely, but like also not really because there's a finite amount of resources. So we will plateau. <laughs> See, that's why I mean, I, and I think that this is it really does lead to a pretty deep conversation between Absolutely. between you, my my best friend and me, you know what I mean, where it's like, what's the what's the what's the point? What's the point of the uh, the expansion? You know, what's the point of the usage? Why, why not just lay around and eat fruit and just get blowjobs all day? Like, why do we have to like, <laughs> why do we have to create buildings and cars and roads and and ipads and stuff like that like what is what's going on there you know what i mean like why can't we ever be satisfied like it must have been so frustrating for these timeless immortal ethereal beings to be floating around in the ether and they're just like we still haven't figured out if we could get control of entropy why haven't you given us this answer you know like why not just at that point be cool with entropy why not at that point um kind of settle into uh, the now, the experience that you're having instead of looking constantly to the future. This is going to be an, a wildly unfulfilling answer, but there is <laughs> something within us that refuses to stop, that refuses to not care about its own existence and the betterment of it's it. It's like self-destructive. It's our own yeah, entropy. Yeah. yeah. Ah, it's it really wild. is. But you know, I think as things get more, as pe- more people, people come about, as we expand, as our technology goes, as we can go on more planets and more places to live, our opportunity for bad exponentially increases, but so does our opportunity for good. And so it's like, I don't know, I kind of think that if we at least try to focus it in that direction. Like, yes, we're going to, there's nothing, there's no flip switch that we can flip that says like, and nobody wants to expand or grow or build or anything like that anymore. Um, we can't oh, do no. that. So yeah, I think I as think long as we kind of like yeah. focus that energy in like a productive, um, like loving way, then, then we can maybe add in more good. Um, I don't know if you've read this series, um, uh, Remembrance of Earth's Past by uh, mm-hmm. Susan Liu. I don't want to spoil anything because it's a, if you haven't read it, if you're listening right now, if you haven't read it, it's a, it's a amazing science fiction trilogy. It's really, really good. Um, I'm going to try and be as light on spoilers as I possibly can. Sorry, what's here, it called? It's called The Remembrance of Earth's Past. Uh, the first book is called The Three-Body Problem. Oh, um, okay. You read that a little really, ago. really, really good. So basically, uh, Earth finds out that there's kind of like a, a cataclysmic like bad thing that's going to happen in like uh, 400 years. We know when it's going to happen. And when we find out about it, um, everything kind of just goes, it's, it's not great. Like it doesn't, we don't react super well to it, <laughs> but then we do, we like get our shit together. Right. We, we loot and rioted first. <laughs> I love that though. I love, I thought that was so cool. Like it was such a, and then obviously there's more, there's more to that series. Obviously it doesn't, it's not like, you know, we, we invented grav lifts and everybody got laid and it was like the end of the series. Like, that's not what it is, but 
it was the first time, at least for me personally, where I had seen kind of like this this futurism take where it was like both, where it went down and then went back up instead of one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like very refreshing to see like there's there's lessons to be learned here. And it's like, um, and I think about that a lot too with our own situation here where it's like, it's not over until it's over. It's not, you know, we can keep expanding and learning and, and growing and um, uh, things things might get a little hairy in there, you know? But like mm-hmm. out of that, out of the, uh, out of the forest burning, it's bush, you know, the, uh, right. the trees are better able to grow and stuff like and that. So even when we're two wheels off the cliff about to make the plunge, we should still try to be the best that we can be. Still be driving. Yeah. 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 Still be driving. Great, great um, way to summarize that. Have you seen the movie? Don't look up with Leonardo DiCaprio on, on Netflix. Yeah, I did see that. Do you like it? Um, I don't know how I felt about it. Like I thought yeah. it was pretty good. I thought it was, um, I think that the point is very clear on it and I resonate totally. with it. Absolutely. But I also Almost think annoyingly that, clear. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to be annoying about points like that though, True. you know, <laughs> like sometimes yeah. you got, but it is, um, it's very on the nose. Um, but I mean, I think that it's a, it's a weird metaphor because it's like if an asteroid <laughs> was hurtling towards the planet and even like 15 scientists were like, that thing is going to hit us and kill everybody in the next two weeks. We would figure it out. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be like this. Oh, we should politicize it. And like, it wouldn't, I know what they were doing. I know what they were doing. I just thought it was a bad analogy. Like I just thought it was like, it was just, and I don't know how other, what other analogies you'd be able to use, but like, I I just thought it was just like, you guys, like I get it, but like that people respond differently in these two different scenarios. They're not a a good, I like, totally it's so, understand what it's you're so saying. easy to like um it's very difficult with climate change it's like it's very difficult for um a lot of people to kind of like conceptualize like what what um like a shifting climate would look like uh, like the consequences right. of a shifting climate like what that would be in like the next 70 years or something right. like that you know what i mean it's really difficult right. like, like it's hard to understand the consequences of today's actions affecting the world a hundred years it's, from now it's like tough. i won't be around like, yeah but your children will and like totally, your grandchildren totally. will and like yeah, you must be a tree farmer my friend well i mean it's <laughs> yeah so i mean it's uh i understand why it's such it's so difficult to like get through to people and say like hey this is like a real existential threat and they're just like no it's not no it's not <laughs> like like the, the you know I go outside and it's still the same temperature. It's not a big deal. And right. I, and I, I don't, I really honestly, pers- I really disagree with that sentiment. I think that not taking some action right now is probably ill-advised. Right. Um, big problems need big, long answers and we should right. start working on it. Yeah, totally. But I also understand like, right. But so with, with, uh, don't look up, it's like, I don't think that people's thought processes would be like the same. Like if you were just like <laughs> asteroid two weeks, they'd be like, let's figure that out everything else right. like if that was literally a situation right now even like like russia north korea like every country that we've got like like beef with would just be like all right we're putting everything if we, uh, we let's hold. just figure this out like let's figure yep. this out like we're putting all the world's resources into this we're gonna kick that thing out of there because right. we can't like we all lose we'll get back to our squabbles later but like i don't know yeah right but, i totally agree the story or a, a story about a person on fire isn't a really good like analogy for the to point light on something that will happen over the course of the next hundred years <laughs> you know it's like 
Right. There's a whole but, different I set mean, of responses for being on fire than like, I will die a slow death. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I didn't hate the movie. I just like, um, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's cool that it was made. All right. I'm going to circle us back here with a question to you. What do you think about the hyperspace concept introduced in this book? This other place that the AI eventually starts living in. And, and so do we in the end. I mean, you know, it could be another dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of where I was going with it too. Right, like that could be a thing. Um maybe it's always moving outside of like a like the speed of light or something. Mm -hmm. Um but so big and reaching that it's uh, always everywhere but also it's always every moving. Yes. Like yes. uh that's kind of like what I I mean there's I think hyperspace as a concept has probably been used. Uh, I mean like just the if you pick apart the word it's like hyper like outside of space or like mm -hmm. above space or whatever um but that was kind of like my thing it's like it's so big and vast and all in but like also constantly at a certain rate or like um yeah. in a different in a different set of rules I love I love the visual representation and this is not my brain coming up with this it was told to me from I don't know whom but um and it's kind of mentioned or hinted at in the book in that if you lived in a 2D world and someone put a cup down all you would see is like a sideways line you know you wouldn't even see its circle you wouldn't see the top or bottom only you only see the part of it that exists within your two dimensions this flat world totally. and so when they see you know the only consciousness that got within seeing distance visual sight of this ai was like it was like a kind of hard to see glowing orb yeah. and it went from being huge having its own planet to almost not even existing in our dimension so to speak <laughs> this guy this guy was so so awesome oh my god yeah now also it's interesting to me that this ai and which is all of us continues on past the point that there's no energy like where's does it require energy <laughs> like where's the energy um, that it got to spark everything into existence again well i think that that was um if you, i think that that was kind of the the meshing of theology and science um, this this thing that is existing in this kind of like hyperspatial um, space um, mm. or lack thereof or whatever you want to call it because um, that's what a lot of people would claim that like God is like outside God is in hyperspace right, you know, like right. how did how did God get the energy to create the universe it's like it, it and I think what this is making it's putting the case that in for, universe terms sure right yeah, yeah like yeah, what yeah. this is making the case for is like it it kind of built itself up to that point with our help you right. know like you need an unstarted starter. It. Yeah, like we engineered it from it engineering us the last time and round and round and round we go. Right, you right. know, which <laughs> so fucking Round awesome. and round we go, Jack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's that from? I don't know. Oh, it's from, it's from, from, it's the, from Meet the Parents. Go, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Meet the Parents. Oh, that's funny. I say that all the time, but I don't know. Round and round we go, what... Jack. Oh, it's yeah. It's because like Robert De Niro has like the like the circle of trust. Oh, and... yeah. <laughs> Round and we go, Jack. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I love your memory. Thank you, Evan. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I got you. There was a notice that I had, and I don't know if you noticed this too, but this was written in 1956. So we got to, we got to like put ourselves in that mindset, right? Okay, okay. Um, this computer, even like what, thousands of years in the future, because there's a, there's a print readout from it in 2061, which is already uh -huh. like silly. Um, yeah, no. And then it, like, even in like thousands of years, it like, asks uh, to make sure you printed. print it on paper. It's like, where'd you get the paper? Like, where'd yeah. you come? <laughs> but uh, it's just interesting to me that Asimov could have these just way ahead of his time 
ideas way outside of anything that was you know in the popular kind of sphere right uh, or even possible conceptually and in the 50s i'm sure a lot of people were thinking of different stuff but he he was obviously a special kind of mind here um but he couldn't fathom that like a computer would have like a screen like interface or like a you know what i mean it's just it's very interesting to me that um it's like you still as smart of a person as you are and as much as you have to work with and as far reaching as your mind can go and as imaginative as you can be a touchscreen tablet computer right just not there it's got to print out on paper (laughs) it's like we're so limited by like our knowledge of what is in existence sometimes like you know it's like him creating a spaceship that sends a telegram to the other one like (laughs) (laughs) Like, we didn't we didn't make up another way to communicate in all that time you know (laughs) yeah but um, i mean maybe you wouldn't need it there's a lot of um very graceful uh, representations of technology and uh, through a lot of different science fiction work that I've seen that doesn't use screens and doesn't use any of that stuff. It's just, um, you know, there's a, there's an alien in a book that I really like. And if, as I start describing it, um, friends listening, you'll probably know if you've read the book, but I don't want to spoil it, but there's an alien. They, they, they have three fingers on each hand. So they use like a base, uh, six number system. Oh, sure. So like, as it's actually a lot better, I think it's either base, eight or i forget which one it was i've read that base 12 would be the that's best right. yeah you're right 12 yep. is because it's like such a uh, 12 is an awesome number that's an awesome it's, number it's like one of my favorite numbers it's so cool you can divide it by four six two and three and one and twelve mm-hmm. yeah, it has unique properties unheld by like any other number it's more triangular like it's more and most things are like triangles are fucking <laughs> triangles are fucking everywhere man yeah. <laughs> it's all triangles man it's all triangles <laughs> This is a spacey episode. (laughs) It's all all about space. Uh, Well, even at the end of time, to circle back to what you were saying, the computer, this computer, this existence, this being, exists outside of time and space. Still refers to itself as analog computer AR. It's like we just AC. Oh yeah, yeah. I got found our way. Yeah, Um, AC. Yeah, it's like even just fifty, seventy years into the future, we're not analog anymore. Like we're digital. No, but um, I mean, I got I got a little sidetracked when I was talking what I was talking about before. But it's like while we still only look at everything through the, through the specific technological prism and context that we have right now, there's probably a lot of room for um, not needing that stuff. Like things could stay analog um, and still serve some sort of purpose. Maybe we just weren't using analog technology correctly. Like we didn't have enough information before we switch to digital technology or you know what i mean sure sure um, but i mean at the end it clearly is not analog anymore. no it's not <laughs> it's not <laughs> even digital it's like yeah sub particle wildness <laughs> like it doesn't even exist in space and time's constraints <laughs> right but i mean we have to we have to curb our expectations of fantasy writers from the 50s you know like, oh for sure for sure <laughs> um this is by no means to be like come on you couldn't think of like a touch screen mr isaac like lame like he's thinking uh way beyond the average beyond. person's uh, in the 50s at least uh ability to think of what might be yeah, if any of you listening haven't read Foundation or watched the show or anything, definitely do yourself a service and read or listen to or watch that because um, it's a great show. I haven't read, the, I haven't watched the show, but I have read the book. But you haven't read the book and you watched the mm. show. <laughs> and you told me that the book was a little like clinical almost, or like not boring. I hate to use that word, but like uh, um, dry. I don't know. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Um, 
I feel like, uh, and this is just kind of like my observation about a lot of like just kind of the the trends that a lot of genre fiction goes in. But I feel like like right now, um, and I'm speaking in very general, like very broad terms, obviously. But like um, right now, I think I feel like we're in a very um, we're in a very character focused like part of our journey through literature. Um, and I think that like the science fiction from like the forties, fifties and sixties, even up until like the seventies is a lot more idea focused Ooh. and a lot more like um, explorative. And yeah, like, like it's very situational. It's very observant. It's very um, contextual and very, right. you know, but like stressing not... the limits of our own. So um... yeah, if you go in and read foundation, it's like there are characters in it, but I feel like if foundation was written now, um, it would be like very much through the eyes of like this very sympathetic character with all these ideas kind of like revolving right. around it, which is probably I imagine, what the show was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Like I imagine if they made foundation, the book scene by scene, line by line into a show, like it wouldn't, it would I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine it'd be like that good. Right. But, you wouldn't have that much of an emotional connection with the characters because it's not really about that. It's about more than that, you know? Okay, so uh, I was, I don't know, 20 minutes into, not even 20 minutes, five minutes into reading this. And then I was like, oh, I want to do this other thing while listening to it. So I looked up on YouTube to see if anyone could read it to me. And boy, did I hand, uh, landed, did I manage to land on the coup de gras of all readers, Leonard Nimoy. That's the one this. that I listened to. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. And he adds in like sounds and they're in a cave. So you get this like echoey kind of away from the mic. Sound. It's like very cool. <laughs> what a perfect person to read this short story. Oh my gosh. I was just like nerding so hard the whole time. Like, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Speaking of nerding super hard, I kind of want to, I think we could call it. I need to go read. Yeah. Go yeah. Read some stuff. Hey, Isaac. Awesome. Awesome. Of. Thank you for an awesome story. Yeah, I'm not really sure what we're going to read next. I need to look up some stuff. I think um, like N.K. Jemison has some stuff that I want to check out. Um, or Rebecca Rowanhorse has got some. I, I'm going to look Jemison it up. She's yeah. a pretty big uh, pillar of modern fi- um, uh, fantasy. So I think we should uh, would be benefited by giving her a little love. Yeah, we've done three sci-fi short stories in a row all pretty like classic stuff. I think we should do like a more recent maybe fantasy leaning one yeah. after this. Yeah, they've all been very spacey, spacey, like kind of older, like mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's Dealing mix it up with, like age old problems, right? Let's mix it up a little bit. Yeah, let's not do that, that this wasn't good. I liked it a lot. We had no, to do the last great. question. It's like one of the most legendary sci- sci-fi short stories there is. Obviously. Totally. Um, but anyway, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the Friday Forge. It's been a blast. Chad, I love getting deep with you. It's so much fun. Your brain is an awesome, awesome thing, and I am so stoked to uh, have it as my companion in this. And everyone else, uh, you're just the greatest, and, and thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have an awesome rest of your day, and of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye.